0: Breakups and divorce can be extremely painful, lonely, and confusing, but I believe your breakup can be your biggest breakthrough. I'm Lindsay Ellison, author, coach, speaker, and single mom of two awesome young men. Welcome to a podcast about finding joy and inner peace after a breakup. You may not be able to see what's on the other side yet, but I promise if you do the healing work, your life will transform in ways you never thought possible. Welcome to Unbreakable You. I'm not sure if it's the weather, the water, or whatever is going on universally, but man, I have had so many questions about co-parenting lately. And I recognize that co-parenting is often, just the word is often sort of a myth. And we have this kind of set belief system about what co-parenting is or what it should be, only to be then let down or frustrated that it's not going the way you had expected to be or hoped to be. And so today I decided to bring on my guest, Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, who is the author of Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict and Becoming Your Best Self. That's a wonderful long title, but she is awesome. I also consider her as a friend and a colleague, and I am talking with her today about the myths of co-parenting and some of the things that we think should be happening versus what should be happening, etc. And so together, Michelle and I break down all things co-parenting. Slash parallel parenting because sometimes we're not even co-parenting. So take a listen to our episode by Michelle's book, and you can also follow her on Instagram. I think you guys are gonna really enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, Michelle. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So Michelle, for anyone who doesn't know you, because I know you have a very big following and you your book is doing very, very well, but just in case anyone's here who doesn't know you, just share us with a little bit about what inspired you to write your book, Moms Moving On, and kind of how did you get into the space? Because I always feel like anyone who's a divorce coach or we don't come here by like, we don't like grow up and think I'm going to be doing this. It's always kind of an experience and, right. and we default to to this. So I love to have you share your journey with uh, our listeners? Yeah,
1: well, um, I bet you couldn't guess I am divorced, and <laughs> becoming a co-parent or a, a single mom at, when my daughter was two really threw me in for a loop, um, not because I didn't think I could handle being alone with my child, but because there were so many things that you don't realize that would come up for you. and. I felt so isolated, even surrounded by amazing friends and family. I felt like I was all alone on Divorce Island. And, you know, I had didn't have a, a paddle or a canoe to get out of there. And there was nothing in terms of books or podcast content or social media, anything that really spoke to me. And how long ago was this? This was, um, it's coming up on six years. Six years. Okay. So... I felt I felt really isolated, and I was already writing for a number of different publications, and they really let me shift the focus of my content towards single parenting and divorce. And all of a sudden, like people started flocking to my social media because I was I started talking about my experiences and what it felt like and how hard it was and how empowering it was, and um, and my following grew. And then people came in with like hard hitting questions that I didn't know how to answer, like. You know legal questions and financial issues and and whatever state they were in so that's where the podcast came from because i wanted to bring on experts who could speak to that type of stuff and then and then the book i became a coach and a certified divorce and co-parenting specialist and the book just felt like a natural next step to really give people, women, moms, what I wish I had at that time, which was like a, what to expect when you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And it takes you through, I mean, it's almost 30 chapters and we cover it all. And it's like, you know, half of it, you're going to get my experience, but then the other half is going to be professional tips and advice and how I handle things and how the experts say you should handle certain things. Um, And we talk about everything from what it feels like to spend the first weekend without your kids to navigating the legal process, adjusting to co parenting with a high conflict person, um, moving on dating again, and and all those things,
0: because I've done them all. Okay, awesome. So you are a child of divorce. I am. And I want to talk about that. And so when you got divorced, Were you just like, oh my God, I'm recreating the pattern of like, I cannot believe I'm doing this. A hundred percent. Because we never, we never go, go into marriage thinking we're going to get divorced. So your child was very young. So you probably were like, oh my God, I can't believe like, were you just so terrified that your daughter was going to be in the same situation that you grew up in? And so talk about that a little bit
1: no. And I'll tell, I mean, I couldn't, yes, all those things, like I couldn't believe this was happening. Like how the fuck did I end up here? Like, Hi. you know, I never, I never saw myself getting married in the first place because I had such issues with men and dysfunctional relationships. And then all of a sudden I met this amazing guy and super cute, like all these things. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is a good guy. And we got married, but like, he was a good guy. I, I was totally not in a place to be married. And we just like, you know, it just was not the time for either of us. Um, so I kind of knew I'd end up getting divorced because I just couldn't handle what this relationship was. And mm. I don't I don't think either one of us could. But I never for one second worried that my daughter would suffer only because like I suffered in my divorce because of who my dad was. My daughter's father is not that. So I never had any doubt that like, she would be wouldn't be loved or you know she is honestly like i feel super lucky to have him as her dad because she gets everything i didn't have and it brings me to tears sometimes how grateful Mm. i am for his presence like he's a true 50 50 dad in there you know meeting school meetings of doctor's appointments birthday parties play dates like he's doing it all on his time and i i kind of knew he always would so i felt good in that regard but what what I also f- was scared of was how do I grow from this and how do I reparent myself so that I don't put the weight of this on my daughter like was put on to me. And that part was very scary for me and it required a lot of deep work.
0: Mm. So tell us a little bit about, you said that your divorce or before we started our recording, your divorce, as a child, your parents got divorced and it was pretty awful. And so I'd love to talk about that and then segue into our topic today of Myths of Co-Parenting because Mm -hmm. you learned everything of what not to do and somehow you've been able to translate that into your personal life, but also into your coaching. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what, what were some of the awful things and how traumatic it was for you and what you learned from that.
1: I mean, I think it was like on a scale of one to 10, it was probably like a 15. So my parents split up when I was eight and their divorce wasn't finalized until I was graduating high school. So it was an an almost 10 year process because of how litigious and ugly and high conflict my father was, is, was, I mean, I don't have a relationship with him anymore, but it was so volatile and none of it was kept for me like I was always felt like I had this front row seat into how ugly it was and you know my parents fighting at exchanges during transition times when I was already Ooh. terrified to go to my dad's like there was just so much uh, piles and piles and piles of like all the wrong things to do um my dad you know was very high conflict he would randomly send police over to the house we were um, at my my grandfather's 70th birthday, we all took a trip up to like this mountain resort in upstate New York. And it was beautiful. And it was the whole family. And my dad just was pissed that we were there. And so he sent police, I'll never forget, we were having Uh, breakfast as a family, like 25 of us. And he called the police in that town and sent them into breakfast to arrest my grandmother, because he, he said that she was like, Engaging in alienation. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And so by the age of 12, I was estranged from him. And um, at no point, Lindsay, and this is where the big mistake was, did anybody sit me down and ask me, Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk to somebody about this? I don't remember anybody giving me a hug or letting me cry about it. If I did, it was like, Oh, you're fine. You're better off. He sucks. He's an asshole. Where I do feel. Despite how terrible he was, had somebody sat the two of us down, you know, maybe some type of reunification therapy, like we would call it today, or maybe I would have had less of this sense of abandonment and I Ooh. would have had much healthier relationships with men. But that being said, it made me who I am today. And so I can't hate on it all that much because I really feel right. like I had a crash course in what not to do as a co-parent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, your situation, unfortunately, I see that as a coach. I'm sure you see that as a coach where, you know, the other, quote, co-parent is just awful. And and, and those are extreme situations. Unfortunately, they are are far too common. Yeah. But that's really what I want to kind of segue into here is about this word co-parenting, because I think when people get divorced and and I don't know so much about your audience I know from mine a lot of people come to me or or the listeners and people who are subscribing to my newsletter are kind of from my book so it's it's they're dealing with some kind of high conflict thing and so one of the mm-hmm. the biggest things is this word co-parenting which I actually call parallel parenting because mm-hmm. We're really not co-parenting, and so I'd love to talk about with you, like what, based on your experience and mine. Yeah, what are some of the mistakes we we make in co-parenting? Or such a stupid
1: word, if you think about it, because co-parenting is what we do, like in a. In a two-parent home right like right we we parent together that's what co means and then so now people get divorced and everyone and you're not like this word co-parenting is thrown at you like you got to parent together but you're apart and you're in a very litigious divorce with a high conflict person who may have a personality disorder but don't forget to make good decisions together and right. it's so like it's it's stifling for somebody who just doesn't know how to, they're supposed to like stay in their lane yet also communicate with somebody who puts them down at every turn like so really and i tell this to all of my clients and everybody on social media you're not co-parenting the first couple of years after your divorce if you get to a place where you are truly co-parenting collaborating on child rearing decisions making best decisions together being flexible with your schedules doing all the things that harmonious co-parents do if you get there in five years i say you're lucky but right in the beginning the best you can do is follow your parenting plan stay in your own lane love your kids teach them to respect the other parent and nothing more than that and Mm -hmm. and and i don't think there's enough attention paid to the fact that none of us are really co-parenting in the beginning
0: Yeah. So based on your experience, can you think of like some of the expectations that people have about co-parenting that they kind of have a rude awakening of like, what the hell is going on? And I can think of a couple. So I'd love for you to, you start. (laughs) I will.
1: So one of the ones that comes up for everybody is, um, can you believe he's doing X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, well, did he do that when you were married? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like... did you expect the divorce to change that? Oh. So I think there's this expectation, like, because we're not physically in the same house, all of a sudden this person's gonna change and start doing things in a way that we like or would mm-hmm. expect them to. And that's and that's like the biggest root awakening, I think. Like you're still dealing with the same person. And they're going to be far less inclined to listen to you now that you're not together. So you got to wrap your head around that one. And that kind of segues into um, a lot of moms have a hard time with the lack of control. Like now you really don't have any right um, or power (laughs) over the other person and you don't have a place to step in there and say, hey, you need to do things like this, like you might have done in the house. Or she only likes, you know, her her toast toasted at level two and you keep doing it at level four and like what the hell are you doing now she's not gonna eat breakfast before school and her life's gonna end like you don't get that flexibility flexibility and power anymore and i see that moms lose it at that they all of a sudden they want all this control and they're picking battles that don't need to be picked i mean and when i say all moms i was one of them like i i had a really hard time giving up this notion of control but i knew i had to
0: Mm mm-hmm and so I'd say there's this necessary thing of radical acceptance that you don't have that control. And for the clients that I talk to who are in the same situation of wanting to control, it's there is this notion and this big, big fear, and especially depending on the age of your child, that your kid's going to be really, really messed up because Mm -hmm. of, you know, let's say here's one thing that I hear all the time is he lets them watch video games for hours Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and, you know, or the screen time is way too much. And so then they come back to the mom's house and then, or the parents' house. Cause I don't want to just say moms. Cause I, I, dads experience the same way. Good dads experience the same thing. Um, that the rules that you have over in your home are far different than the rules or lack thereof in the other parents home. So what do you Mm -hmm. what do you do? I mean, what what do you advise your clients on? So I wrote so
1: much about this in my book, because this comes up for everybody, It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, you know, just a regular mom, or one of my celebrity clients, everybody is dealing with this thing of what dad lets the kids do in, in their house and what mom lets the kids do. And 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 then there's like, there's like this breakdown that happens of like, oh my God, my kids are just ruined. My kids are ru-. like, can you believe, he doesn't make them do their homework till right before bed. In my yeah. house, the kids come home, they know that the second they get home, they take their backpacks off and they're doing their homework before they do anything else. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But you know, all I'm hearing here is that the homework's getting done, like amazing could you imagine if it wasn't that would be awful oh yeah i guess you're right so it's taking a step back and realizing like what matters big picture big picture is your child long term still going to be able to thrive and be like a fully capable adult and capable of doing amazing things if they do their homework a little differently in the other house if they watch a little extra screen time if if they have candy after they brush their teeth oh my goodness you know what that would kill me in my house, but are these the things I really need to harp on? Or is that going to really hurt my quote unquote co-parenting relationship? Because I'm I'm just picking at every little thing.
0: Yeah. And I'd say that, um, you know, now that my kids are almost grown, almost, you know, I've got one out of the house, one about to leave. I can think of all those little things that I was so freaked out about and worried Mm -hmm. about. And I always tell people, it's like, what, let's, let's let's just say you weren't even divorced. Remember when you had your first baby? (laughs) And you were freaking out over like their sleep schedule and, you know, that whether you could breastfeed or, you know, like formula, I remember thinking was like poison to my kid. Cause that's what you're told. And you want everything to be a certain way. And then you start realizing it's just not going to be, and your kids turn out kind of okay. And I think, yeah, like, and you turned out okay. Now you have some trauma that you probably work through. Yeah, Right. But one of the biggest things that I share with my clients and my listeners is I think one of the most damaging things in the parallel parenting world that can happen is denying your child's reality, Mm -hmm. negating it. That didn't happen or that's not, that's no kind of like you, like no one really said, Hey, you know, Michelle, like what's your reality? What's real for you? Yeah. And so then you carry your parents' reality And you're you're carrying all this baggage that's really not yours. So that's one of the things we can do is to to always acknowledge your child's reality.
1: Yes. And I think you also have to acknowledge that, and this is hard, but your ex-spouse, your your children's other parent, is going to do things in a way that makes sense for them, which means they're going to be doing it in a way that is comes naturally and with things coming naturally there's going to be peace and there's not going to be stress and so if your child adjusts to a totally different routine at their other parent okay they adjust to school routines they adjust to after school routines they adjust to sunday school routine like what i have seen with my daughter is like she's totally compartmentalized like her life in two homes but in in a good way and she looks forward to these things that this routine that her and her dad have and the the things that they've created. And she knows like what she can get away with there and what she can get away with here. And all it's done is strengthen their bond. And I, I'll never forget like, I don't know, two years ago, having a total freak out moment, which was out of character for me because of how much I value their relationship. But it was towards the end of the school year. We live in Miami, it stays light out till nine o'clock at night. And I called to say goodnight and they were out for dinner and it was like 8 15 and I was like oh are you kidding me she has school in the morning and like I hadn't I must have just been triggered from something else but I remember texting him like are you kidding and he was like taking my daughter out for a nice dinner and I had to be the one to apologize because like long term that moment for a little girl to bond with her dad at dinner how beautiful because i didn't have that and i would have loved to have it so it's really taking a step outside of those moments where you want to scream where you want to pick up the phone and start texting articles about why the children need eight to ten hours of sleep a night right. like like take a look at it from a different perspective and if what's going on in the other parents house is allowing your child or children to bond and form a healthy secure attachment until the to, with the other parent who cares outside of that who cares
0: yeah, and and unfortunately, I'd say for many people they there isn't that bonding. I mean, in your case, there is, but unfortunately, there's so many people where, let's just say, there is a child in his house in the at the co-parents' home where they're getting kind of ignored, and and they're you know the girlfriend's over, or like there's a party going on. I mean, just just stuff like that, and yeah. you don't have control over that. So what I always tell people is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry that like that sucks and it, and it's not illegal let's say like there's it's 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 not it's not good parenting but it's not illegal so there's really nothing you can do about it so then what do you do mm-hmm. and so then I always say is as your child starts to get older you can start um empowering them with decisions and empowering them with an outcome of saying, you know, if you were to stay up late with your dad, what's the outcome? What, what are the things that are going to happen? So there's things that your child, Mm -hmm. you have to teach your child to make good choices. If that other parent is not making good choices on your behalf. Mm
1: -hmm. I do agree. And I think children are amazing in the sense that like, my daughter found her voice at around four or five years old and was able to say, I don't like things that way. I like things done this way. My daughter tends to be a little bit rigid. And so she she felt comfortable in telling her dad how she liked things done and telling me how she wanted things done so that it felt better for her. So yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think the other piece too is knowing, and this is something that Bill Eddy once said on my podcast and I love him, that you just have to be the reasonable parent. If it's an unreasonable situation where it's chaotic in the other home and your kids are not being taken care of the way they should be and and like, it's just the wild west. Keep your home as secure and consistent and routine as possible because if children have one reasonable parent in an
0: unreasonable situation, it's enough for them to thrive. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's good hope and good advice there. I'd say, um, I was just thinking of another kind of myth or mistake, I have one. um, is oversharing. Oh, oversharing with your ex. So it, because you're making this assumption that the other parent cares, right. Or the other parent wants to hear this. So oversharing of, Hey, you know, it's kind of like you, you want their dad to hear that maybe your kid's struggling in school or had an issue going on today at school. So you share that. And then it always backfires or it can backfire where, well, why did you let that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, where, where it becomes now a criticism or an attack on you, or now that kid goes back to the house and um, the father might say to the kid, well, why did this happen? And now the kid's getting criticized or attacked. And so depending on the personality or whatever personality disorder your ex may or may not have, sometimes you just don't have to share every little detail. We want to, that's normal, right? But we can't always share it. And I don't know if you see that in, in your world. So something, yes, that's a great point. And something I always tell my
1: clients is like, you have to break this marital cycle of communication. Like where you might've picked up the phone before and been like, right. can you believe this happened? Or so-and-so did this in school today. And, and just so you know, like you have to know that you don't, that's not an opportunity for you anymore to stay in this marital cycle of communication. Because when you try to do that and you are opening yourself up in a way and oversharing, you leave yourself open to criticism and attack. I always say the more you share, the more you can expect negative feedback. Yes, And it's a very hard thing for people to unlearn, like, well, this person was once my best friend or I just I'm so used to picking up the phone and you know, and I'm always like, you got to have another like a stand in for this person. Like if you feel the need to share certain things, tell your best friend, tell your divorce coach, tell somebody who's not going to turn around and throw it in your face in three weeks when they're feeling you know, mad or triggered or whatever it is. That's a very good point. And to that, I'll say there's this this notion, I think mostly by the women in the divorce process where they feel they need to tell their ex-spouse every little move they're making with their kids at every point in the day when the kids are on their time. And once again, I say, You think you're being kind by sending a picture of your kids at the fair to their dad. And all of a sudden you get a a paragraph about how could you let them eat that much sugar? You're a horrible person. And I heard that fair was unsafe and you don't care about our kids' safety. And you're like, well, damn, I was just trying to be friendly. Your parenting plan does not say that you need to give them a play-by-play of your day. They signed a plan with the With the acceptance and the knowledge and the understanding that I'm signing because I believe this other parent is going to make good parenting decisions and I'm going to allow them to do that. So unless your parenting plan for some odd reason says the other parent needs to know what you're doing every step of the day, there is no need for that. Enjoy your day, enjoy your kids. Don't leave yourself open to criticism or a fight.
0: Okay, and then I'm going to add to that. This is great. So one of the things that (laughs) another... I'll raise you. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> another myth, if you will, is this notion of having them see your point, having oh. them to see your side. Yes. And so yes. what do we do? Let's use the, the carnival situation, the scenario there is defending yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, what Are you talking about, you know, and it was like, and this is their favorite thing, and and you know, it's his birthday, and or or whatever. And so, what I think we're subconsciously trying to do, especially if you've had, you know, we broke up for a reason, everyone, right? There, there was some major failure in the marriage. And to your point, where you said before is we expect those failures to not show up in this co-parenting situation, right? Right. And so, but I think what we were subconsciously trying to do is get them to see that we're a good mom or get them to see and have validation.
1: We're constantly seeking this validation. And I've been, I can say that I, I was like this at one point too. I think- Me too. What we want is, okay, so we didn't make it as husband and wife or wife and wife, husband, husband. But I'm still a good mom. And I want you to see that. And I want you to say that. And I don't know why we feel that we need this validation. I I went through it. And I don't know why. But I felt like the more I sought this validation, the less I get, got it. And, and again, the more it opened me up to feedback I wasn't looking for. So I think this all stems from that marital cycle of communication and the codependency that happens in marriage. But yeah you don't need this other person to validate your choices. And, and you don't, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's like, how do you break that? Again, it's like the unlearning process. And it's usually rooted in something else. Maybe you have people pleasing, it's all childhood, it's all childhood trauma, all yeah. that good stuff. But it's so unnecessary, because you're a good parent, whether that person tells you you are or not. And, and and so what? And, and then I'll raise that to stop looking for the closure. Mm -hmm. You can co-parent, parallel parent, raise your children well, even if you both cannot agree on why this marriage ended. No, it ended because you sucked or or you did this. I see people years and years out, still trying to have the last word, still trying to prove each other wrong or get their point heard. And I'm like, well, it's the principle. I'm like, there is no principle in co-parenting. You are always going to be wrong in this person's eyes Who
0: cares? Let it go. Oh, my God, 100%. And, you know, going back to the to the defending yourself, there's, that's probably the defending yourself is motivated by wanting closure. Right. And let's just use your example of like those attacks, there's no response necessary. Right? right? You don't have to explain to your other person why. You're a good mom or why you made those choices. And so if you have to respond at all, I say, okay, well that's your reality and this is mine. Right. Or that's your perception. And and when you when when the kids are over at your house, you get to make those choices differently. And then that's it. Or not even say that, right? Like Or not even say that. But I'm saying if you feel like you have to yeah, respond, if you have to say the, something, that's the best response, if if anything. And and also remember that once this person
1: is saying something negative to you. They're already triggered. So anything you respond with so true. is not going to land the way you want it to. Even if you say, okay, well, that's your perception, they're going to take that as, oh, so there's something wrong with my perception. I have a broken mm-hmm. perception. And then it's just going to spiral. And I, you know, sometimes I'll have my clients send me their email correspondence with their ex spouse. Oh, yeah, I get that too. But I, I have them send it because I know that we need to fix their communication dynamic or. Yes. A, or um how they're and they may not even realize that they are poking a bear or being passive aggressive or making comments and and so you really have to like if you feel a need to respond take emotion and blame out of it and just give the facts if you need to and leave it at that because you yeah. know they'll come at. I, I see sorry with this one client Go it's ahead. like her ex will email something let's say like you're a terrible mother because blah 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 blah, blah. and instead of just Either letting it go or responding in a logical way. It's well. Remember that time you did X, Y, and Z. That makes you a terrible father, and and then it just it like spirals from there. And then the client will come to me and say, "See, he's impossible." And I'm like, "Well, wait a second. We just we just opened down opened our window and dangled a stake out at the at the zoo, and now all of the animals are running. You know, so you got to see what role you play
0: in it too. Yeah, and I think to to your point. This is actually, I'm just thinking off, off the top of my head. It's like another myth that you guys are equal, right? You're equal players here. But typically one person is one upping all the time. And there's a constant power struggle. And, uh, and especially if you're divorced, you've divorced a high conflict or a narcissist or some, whatever, I like just to say high conflict. They already, and have for years, been kind of brainwashing you into thinking that they're more powerful That Mm -hmm. they're smarter, they have Mm -hmm. more money, that they're the better parent. And so they have your entire dynamic is them one upping and you're always one down. Mm -hmm. But then you go into this co parenting thing and you think you're equal all of a sudden. Right. And so using the example that you just said is that uh, I know he was triggered right he's clearly triggered okay so you got to remember that that there's the other person that you're dealing with if they're triggered that means what they're being threatened so suddenly you're threatening them and they don't like that feeling they get an injury you know narcissistic injury of some of some sort so if you're triggering them in that moment you probably feel a little one up so that mm-hmm. they're one down and then it's just this back and forth one up one down one up one down so that's this power struggle that no one wins. There are no winners. There are no winners. No. And, and something my husband always says, and I,
1: I stole this from him. He's a family court judge. And something I always hear him say is there really, there is no winning in co-parenting. There is no fair in co-parenting and there is no principle in co-parenting. Like stop making yourself part of the equation. It's just about the children. And I think we forget that because our emotions are raw and our egos are heavy and dripping and ready to go. and and we forget that like none of that matters. It really is is about raising these kids. And I want to say another thing because I have another one, a big myth that I think people have, and one that I think the internet has perpetuated and it's really unfortunate that you have to be, good friends with your ex and you have to do all these family activities and you have to take the holiday picture together with your new spouses and this big blend and you have to celebrate
0: birthdays you have to celebrate birthdays together all
1: the things these are not true like and and for a lot (laughs) of kids like i could speak from experience my daughter one day i'll never forget we were having like a luncheon on behalf of her graduation with my side of the family and i'm on good terms with her dad. So I was like, why don't you come? He walked in and she was like, wait, what? Wait a second. Why are you both in this room? Like she was so freaked out. And we forget that like, maybe we feel like we need that. We're gonna feel better about ourselves if we have a nice friendly relationship with the other parent. Your kids don't need that. They need to see you be amicable as much as you can, but you don't need to meet every Sunday for ice cream. That doesn't make you a good Mm -hmm. co-parent. You could be doing that and be completely screwing it up everywhere else. And so what does that ice cream mean? Nothing. Just stay in your lane, be respectful, follow your parenting plan, and you're doing more than you need.
0: Yeah, and I think that leads me to another thing there based on using your example is I think, especially those first You know, zero months of separation to three years, whatever that kind of raw window time is, we're almost trying to protect our kids from the truth of what really is going on. And so, pretending we're going to be friends, pretending that we're like getting along when we really we're just not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And um, and and trying to, you know, I hear this from moms all the time. The number one question I get: How can I protect? my kids from their dad doing xyz okay and my answer is you can't mm-hmm. unless he's doing something really illegal you know drugs drinking all that stuff where you can get the law to sell, to to actually help protect you
1: mm-hmm.
0: you can't protect him. you need to empower them
1: mm-hmm.
0: and by empowering them is ripping off the band-aid and stop bullshitting mm-hmm. and tell the kids the truth Mm -hmm. Kids, kids, kids do not want to be lied to. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the kids are are a little young to hear it. And there's, of course, age appropriate things that we tell them, but it's not pretending everything is fine when it's not.
1: Yeah. And you have to be careful there. I mean, I, I think it's very okay to say mommy and daddy don't get along sometimes. And that's why you might've heard us talking in that way. And mommy and daddy are going to have a difference of opinion and that's okay But I, in my opinion, it's never okay to say, you know, we were fighting because your dad's a dick. And once again, forgot, totally not No. you know, the child support or whatever. Like, that's what I experienced. Um, That's the
0: oversharing as well. Right,
1: right, right, right. You you definitely don't want to go there. But I do think it's, you know, we want to learn, we want to teach our kids about conflict and what it looks like to have it and that it's okay to have it. Sometimes it's going to happen. And more importantly, how you recover from it and how you rebound from it and how you can still be a respectful human and, and not agree with somebody like those things are important to teach. And when a mom asks me, you know, what if their dad does X, Y, and Z, I'm like, okay, well, what happens when you send your child to school? What if God forbid they're bullied, can't prevent
0: it. You're going to tell them what to do if it happens. And it's, and it's the same thing you said. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just pretend and be, you know, and, and again, it goes back to this whole notion of just reality. Don't deny your kid's reality. Don't sugarcoat things when they really shouldn't be sugarcoated. And, you know, you, you, you should not be oversharing with your kid. There's a, it is a fine balance. You know, you don't want to say, Oh, your dad didn't you know, give me child support. I mean, one day I had a check on my, this was like a few years ago, there was a check on my, um, on my desk and it was child support. My kids didn't even know he gave me child support. Okay. And because I didn't want to share it with them. I don't, they don't need to know that information. Right. And how many times he's missed it. They don't need to know that information. So there's just certain things that we, we shouldn't share, but we also should also stop sugarcoating and and not pretend that things are difficult and things are kind of hot conflict, but as long as you, as the parent show your, I would say this, show your kid that you're in charge, that you're CEO of your home and you've got this, they're going to be like, all right, mom's got this or dad's got this. Okay. I feel protected no matter what's going on between them. Yep. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And, um, what, instead of doing all of, we're talking about the things of like what not to do, what do you think, what are some of the do's? Let's, let's, let's end this show with some kind of positive reinforcement of what we should be doing and what we can be doing. What you should be doing is
1: loving your child not making them feel at all responsible for your emotions, reminding them that even though you may be going through a hard time with this divorce, that it is not their fault and it is never their job to worry about you. You're there to worry about them. I think if your child's other parents, even if you hate them and they suck and all those things, if they are taking care of the kids and doing what they need to do, Encourage your children to have a healthy and open relationship with them. Encourage them to enjoy their time with the other parent. Don't make them feel like they're doing something wrong. And the number one tip I got from my child's therapist is stop telling your children that you miss them when they're not with you.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That lands
1: in a way that I never realized it was landing. Um, When our child says, I miss you to somebody or something, they mean that. They feel that. We say it to be nice and sweet. We may mean it, but we say it to, you know, it's like lost its meaning for adults. But kids really feel that word. And so for them, if they miss a friend or they miss having ice cream or they feel it so deeply. So when we say to a little kid who's already having a hard time going back and forth, I miss you, sweetie. Mommy really misses you. They internalize that and they think, oh, well, missing is a bad feeling. And I must be doing something bad and I'm making my mommy upset. Instead of saying, I miss you, say, I am so happy to hear from you, or I'm so happy you're having such a good time. And when you
0: come back, mommy's
1: going to be ready to do all of the things we love to do together. I think that's, that's a number one do for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that I mean, that's a really good point. And I think that you had said something that I would have really want to reinforce was about this notion of making sure the kids aren't worrying about you. Mm -hmm. My gosh, I see that a lot. And I think that there's, you know, that is a form of trauma for children that I've seen in my adult clients where they always felt as though they had to take care of mom or dad in some way. And we don't realize it. So like, of course, we're not going to have, we're going to have some really hard days, you know? And, And our kids might find us crying in the kitchen alone and like, mommy, what's wrong? Yeah. We don't need to tell them and we just need to reinforce like, honey, I'm having a bad day, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to work it out because I, we, you know, you can turn that around and make it a parenting moment. I'm like, we all have bad days and you know, you're going to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. But when our kids start to feel as though they need to take care of us, we start to um, they're taking this burden and that's really what causes stress at home, at school, etc.
1: Yep. I mean, I it, it, that just encompasses is like all of what went wrong for me as a kid is this being parentified and having to worry about everybody else's feelings and you know it's something for me that is I am very very big on with my child is you know because like sh- last night I'm putting her to bed and she was like oh I forgot to ask you about how your day was mommy how was your meeting and how I'm like you are what a sweet girl you are but you know what I got through my day. Like I, it, the, I'm i constantly reminding her that it's nice to check in and it's nice that she asks, but whether my day is good or bad is not her problem or job to fix it.
0: Oh, 100%. I love that. And we're going to end it on that positive note. Michelle, thank you so much. How can everyone find you? Of course, your book is probably sold in bookstores, correct? Mom's moving on? It is. It's
1: everywhere. It's Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Goodreads, all of the places. My favorite is to suggest you buy it at Target if you are still married and you know divorce curious. Um, you just add it to cart at Target. Nobody will bat an eye because that's what we do at Target, right? We add to cart. <laughs> um, it's also available on Kindle and Audible. I know that Audible has been very popular for a lot of people because they're used to my voice on the podcast. So you get it on the audible. Um, It's just it's a guide, you know, it's people have been saying this is like their divorce Bible. It's their step by step guide. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, so the book is moms moving on real life advice on co-parenting on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict and becoming your best self. I am a co-parenting and divorce specialist, and you can find me on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey. If you want to work from me, work with me work for me or learn from me, uh, momsmovingon.com. I am training coaches now and always
0: looking to expand my team. Oh, fantastic. That's great to know. All right. Michelle, thank you so much. And everyone, as always, please always leave a review if you can, if you love this episode and any feedback that you have. Until next time, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up for your free subscription to Blessings of a Breakup where you will receive daily spiritual guidance on getting out of your pain and back to who you really are. Go to my website at lindsayellison.com.